All right, everybody, we're back. This is episode number 35 of the Recovery Lab podcast series. I'm Drew Hassan. I'm Daniel Anderson. We are the Recovery Lab. Same thing. Every single time. (laughs) We have t-shirts for sale that help support our cause and some hoodies. You can go to recoverylab.com. Recoverylabllc.com. Yep. And find our fine wares. Uh, The only... You have to pay for them, and you also have to send us a picture of you wearing it so yeah. that we can post it on our mug wall. Mug, mug shots. Shot. Yeah. Mug shots. Absolutely. Uh, also, if you know of something that would be of benefit to the recovery community, post it, comment it, let people know. The example I give every single time is about where to get free Narcan. Usually it's at the Pines in Columbus or Mr. Moore's Bike Shop in Hattiesburg or anything that might be of benefit that people would need to know or you think they might like to know. Absolutely. So shortening the introduction so that we can talk to our guests longer, I think we should do that. I think that's a wise decision today with this person. This uh, is the 35th episode yeah, confirmed right before we started. Yeah, we welcome Allison Noe. How are you? Hey, guys. I'm happy to be here. We're Thanks happy to have here. you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have quite the presence on uh, social media. Oh, well, that's awesome to hear because... I just started putting out things about me and my dog and health and something stuck. So Yeah, no, it's great. It's working. Like, yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. <laughs> like I've recognized you in the Kroger before. Really? Yeah. That's funny. I always joke that um, I hated everything about COVID except sometimes wearing that mask in the grocery store was nice when I looked like crap. Just yeah. wanted to get in and get out <laughs> so Look, I could hide. <laughs> every single time I go to the grocery store, I think about the problem with trying to lick my fingers to open the, the bag. Yep. Yeah. Oh, now I'm just like, you know what? Kids do it. I'm in. I do it. Yeah. <laughs> like building that immune system. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This is incredible. Um, you're doing some incredible things. So if you would, um, this is the Recovery Lab podcast, and you have a history with recovery, and um, our listeners would absolutely love to understand and, and hear what that was like for you, as well as you know, we'll jump into some questions afterwards. I was thinking maybe 20 to 30 minutes of um, you just talking to us about what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. And uh, and then we'll jump into some questions and um, and just see where the conversation goes. We don't have a time limit. Um, we so can plug your radio show. Yeah, oh, we can. Cool. We will absolutely be plugging awesome. it. Uh, absolutely. Because that's absolutely incredible. And um, it's, it's great, great that you're doing that and um, that that opportunity uh, presented itself and so without further ado if you would take the floor let's Allison hear it Noe, let's hear what it was like what happened and what it's like now okay that's um where do you start you know right. it's always <laughs> like well let's see my childhood was pretty <laughs> right. um but I guess I just kind of grew up in a culture where partying was what adults did you know heavy drinking um was what I was exposed to at a young age my well, my dad drank a lot, but I didn't I didn't know that as much. In fact, um, I picked up his Kool-Aid one time and was very surprised that <laughs> it's not like my Kool-Aid. And I was spicy. like, Seven. why is it spicy? Yeah. <laughs> and he just kind of giggled. He's like, I bet you won't drink dad's drink anymore, will you? Were you guys close? Were you guys close? Um, dad and I are a lot alike. And... Uh, um, I think we have really struggled over the years, um, but a lot of it was both of us wanting to be understood, and so I've been able to kind of dissect that relationship over the past 
I don't know, four or five years. And I think I understand a little bit better why it's been so difficult. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, like we would be sometimes, but then there, there would be a, something that happened and we wouldn't talk for over a year. So it's just been kind of on and off, um, more on lately. Um, now I just need to do a better job at going, spending more time with him, but, um, progress and not perfection. Yes. Yeah. That's a motto that I was just reminded of yesterday. (laughs) Um, so yeah, so my parents got divorced when, I don't know, I was maybe six or seven and, I remember, <laughs> we always joke about this, um, the way they told us was they pulled my little brother and I into their bedroom, and they were like, you know, this is going to be awesome, you're going to have two bedrooms, oh, wow, and two so Christmases, and, you know, so, like, we were pumped, we were going to school, like, our parents are getting divorced, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> we get two Christmases, um, and then, of course, reality sets in, and, you know, it took them four years to get divorced, because it just, it was, there was a lot, there was a lot to it that yeah. We had no idea about. Um, so uh, when you say we, do you have my siblings? brother and I, yeah, okay, just yeah. you and your brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's four years younger than me, and okay. so um, it was. You know, I didn't want to acknowledge it for a long time because when I did get sober, I wanted to just completely detach from that person and not blame anybody. Just get my head on straight and get to work. Sure. And being in the field that I'm in now and understanding how trauma affects us and how that affects our health and um, our progression as as human beings. Um, now I know that that's important to go back and unpack. So, and it was, it was difficult. Divorce is difficult on everybody. Right. Um, but my mom married my stepdad and he was my stepdad for probably 20 years and we were very close. Um, but, but we did a lot of drinking as a family so it was interesting. I saw them drink, uh, drink, went everywhere with them while they, you know, River Fest, like all these fun things. They were just having fun. Right, right. And so I get into high school. I went to Brandon High School, and, you know, that was just the culture for sure. And I was much uh, more a follower back then. Um, had no idea who I was, what made Allison tick, what, you know, what excited me. Um, the only thing that excited me at that time was getting blackout drunk and feeling cool (laughs) and I was freaking awesome at it (laughs) um four stars yes (laughs) yes so um you know that was a lot of my high school life and mom did not allow me to drink in high school she was getting wasted, and we joke about this now, too, how she scolded me with a glass of, you know, a nukes cup full of wine in her hand. Right, right. Um, do as I say, not as I do. Exactly, yeah. but it, it did freak her out because, um, you know, for legal reasons, there could be so much trouble. We did have those households we could go to, and, and the parents would let us drink. That was not mine. My mom was actually really strict, um, comparatively. Um, so... I was grounded all the time, <laughs> but um, when I think my junior year, I was grounded, shocker, and my friend had given me an Adderall. I don't know why. I have no idea why, and I don't know what about spending the night on my couch, you know, made me think this would be a fun thing to do, but I took it, and I stayed up all night watching movies, but, like, that's when I found my first love speed like I loved everything about it 
Um, and so after high school, I did graduate from high school and then, you know, spent 10 years in and out of uh, junior college. Like I would sign up for a full semester and then end up dropping like halfway through. Withdrawal passing, withdrawal passing. Yes. Yeah, I joke that um, my – the degree that took me the longest was my associates. I had a 10-year associates degree. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I I also got in, I was in the restaurant industry. You know, I mean, it's just a natural, uh, I think a lot of people in recovery have worked in the restaurant industry. Look, I uh, when I first moved to Jackson, or when I, I'd gotten out of treatment and I lived here, I'd never worked in a restaurant and I met a bunch of people that, were in recovery that worked in restaurants. And I quickly realized that you could you could do like a sociological study on the restaurant industry. Oh, for sure. It's its own little subculture. Uh-huh. Everybody has cash mm-hmm. when they have it. They either have cash or they have no money at all. Right. And they all seem to live together mm-hmm. uh, in, <laughs> in townhouses in Bellhaven. He's describing my 20s, y'all. Or uh, In Bellhaven. In Bellhaven. <laughs> yep. Or Fondren. And uh, th- there are restaurants and bars that cater to people that work in restaurants and stay open later than yep. used to be. There's, there still are. I, I was just talking to a friend, and he said something about going to one of them, and I was like, there's no way that place is still open. <laughs> he was like, yep. Wow. <laughs> uh, there was one over kind of a bat furniture that stayed open real late. I don't remember. Is it Man's Joker's? Lounge? Oh, is Joker's, it? yes. Yeah. And, 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 and they, all, they all do drugs. Of some um, of some kind, I can only speak for me, um, but and the people that I was with, and yes, we did a lot of drugs. I mean, I loved I loved speed and that whole culture. You know, you you slept until about forty five minutes before you had to be on shift to bartend or wait tables, whatever. Um, and then you know you, I, I bartended a lot, so we had access to all the alcohol that we needed on shift. And, you know, usually somebody in the kitchen or behind the bar brought us in the goods to, to stay happy the whole time, you right. know. Um, oh, look, I have smoked a mountain of weed behind the old Kiefer's. Really? I mean, <laughs> a, a mountain of it. Or climbing up on the roof. I mean, yeah. Yep. yep. The restaurant industry is, is interesting. It is. We um, I always say if you need a, a new port or a dime bag, go see the dishwasher. And, and that's so I promise wrong. He's got that's it. so wrong. But like it's that's so just right. what I remember, yeah. you yeah. know. Um, and I've always said it's a tough industry. And, and if I have kids, they will spend one day waiting tables so they understand how hard it is and respect people that do that. But that's it. One day and right, then right. making them back out. They're it's not, grueling. Yeah. yeah. It is. It is. I, you know, I, I used to, um, to play and have fun and work to pay my bills, and then I had to start working to to pay my, you know, for drugs to keep up with sure work. Right. Um, so I I loved speed. I got pretty heavy into coke my early twenties, and then um, got a job as a cocktail waitress at a place called the Forum. And that's where I was introduced to meth, um, or it was glass, uh, whatever. I guess it's all the same. And um, so, I I mean, just thought I was, like, I, th- I just thought me and my friends were, like, sex in the city, but in Jackson. You know, we were just cool, having fun. Right. Just living the lifestyle. Right. And 
the further into my 20s I got, the more people dropped out because they were either getting arrested, going to treatment, um, or growing up. And uh, so I kind of looked around at 27, 28, and I was like, I'm pretty much alone. You know, I'd moved in and out of my mom's house. That's a tough transition age. Mm -hmm. I I can remember being about that age and thinking, I'm not wanting to improve like some of my counterparts are. It was difficult for me because my friends from high school didn't go down the route that I went, you know, into that restaurant industry. But a lot of them still partied like rock stars on the weekends. And so I saw them. They had a family and or a career, and they we were still hanging out on the weekends. And so, like, it didn't register to me how different my life was. Right. And I always knew that I was capable of a lot. I just hadn't gotten there yet. I thought I wanted to go to law school and get into politics, which, oh, my gosh, no way, you know. But I just – I think that was more of, like, I'm going to be somebody than it was – anything else I don't know it just it did not register to me for the longest how how different I was right so it's also it's difficult to I mean think of yourself as different you know it's it's really easy for me at least to um like see you know try to look for how I am the same with everyone else and you know the fact that I was you know doing meth and um, still going to work, you know, I was yeah. looking at everybody, you know, I'm, I'm going to work, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's, I'm not under a bridge, right. you know. And, and I, I mean, I remember there were so many times where I'd go hang out with my parents and um, of course we were all drinking and I was doing meth in the bathroom and they had no idea. Yeah. So like, I wasn't that bad, you know, like I had convinced myself of all these things. Yeah. I'm managing. Yes. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, isn't I'm, it crazy how powerful our mind is? Yes. <laughs> I'm still shocked though that. Looking back now, I can tell if somebody is taking an Adderall uh, from a mile away. And I'm sh- I'm shocked that more people didn't realize how messed up I was all the time. Right. Um, I had some scary, I mean, I there were many times where I woke up and didn't know where I was. Um, and I <clears throat> overdosed on a cocaine, actually, of all things. Um, and... Don't remember much about it. When I came to, my friends told me about it, and it was a pretty crazy story. Did it stop me? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> I, ke- I kept partying that night. Um, I just, you know, just thought that I was having fun and everybody else just kind of sucked. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, the crazy situations that I put myself in. Um, and now, I'm, sometimes I'll be driving down the road and I'll think about something. I'm like, oh, my gosh. How did I survive that? Right, exactly. No, you're not alone there. So, uh, yeah, just partied partied like a rock star um, in Jackson. So whatever kind of rock star that is. (laughs) Um, And then when I was 28, um, it was the end of the year. My friend and I had put on a little bit of weight, you know, and we were just kind of like, okay, we need to do something. We were drunk uh, on her front porch talking, like, we, we're going to do something. Let's let's give up alcohol and get into a healthy lifestyle for 30 days. And I was saying this knowing I was full of crap. I had not been more than three days without alcohol sure. in, like, what, 15 years? But, okay, you know, it was a fun little, sure, you know, we're always going to do something on Monday, right? right. And so um, the the start date wasn't 
January 1st for some reason. Well, no, because you can't ruin New Year's Eve. <laughs> right. I mean, let's be realistic. Yeah. Well, you're going to feel awful from New Year's Eve. So, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, but January 3rd, for whatever reason, January 3rd, 2011. Um, so, you, to back up, usually before I would pass out, I would try to take a little bit of like a Xanax or something. So, I didn't feel like jumping off a bridge. You got to land that plane. Yeah. yeah. I, and I had horrible anxiety. So, like, you know, of course you have horrible anxiety when you're, you know, drunk and doing speed all the time. But right. anyway, so I didn't have one to take before I went to sleep the night before. And so I woke up and I just, uh, I felt like crap anyway. But I can only explain this now that I've had this long to look back at it. It's as if God tapped me on the shoulder and he said, hey, we have other things to do. The last time I touched anything, I knew that day I was done. And I have never, ever in my long partying life thought about quitting anything, really. So you've been sober since 2011? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Just cold turkey. I mean, it was just, it. I went to my, I went to my bed that day and I cried and I was physically shaking, um, because I knew I was done, and I don't know how to live. I didn't know how to live. What does that mean? You're done. What do right. you do? What do you do if you're not doing what I've been doing my whole life? Um, but I just knew I was done, and I mean that I, I don't understand why I had God's favor in that because so many of the people that I was running around with, you know, some of them didn't make it. Some of them are, you know, still in and out of treatment centers just never able to grab onto something long enough to keep them motivated to stay in a different lifestyle. But for me, I, you know, I spent about two weeks of like sleeping and eating real good because I hadn't done either of those <laughs> right, all the time. Right. And then um, I, I started running and <laughs> that my mom was a great runner. I had done like a charity 5k in the past, so I knew I could. Um, but I just got super into that and that was kind of my new gateway drug that led me into an incredible life. But yeah, I'm, I, I still am amazed when I talk about that because not many people get out of a lifestyle like that, that, that easily. I never, um, got to IV use. So I think that that, that's huge. And I have to acknowledge that that's a totally different animal right oh, uh, when it comes to getting sober uh, it certainly is so yeah. I, I recognize that and I also recognize that I was just a very lost girl who um, was very addicted to a lifestyle and substances were just a part of that yeah they were how I had my personality that's what I clung to I thought you know that's what made me who I was so did you stay in the same job uh, what, what did I do? Let's see. I, you know, had been in and out of school for a long time. So like that was at the beginning of a new semester. So I went to class that semester, <laughs> like the whole semester. And yeah, actually I, um, conti- don't take this as advice if anybody's listening, <laughs> <laughs> but I was bartending at a, a nice little family place, um, where I did not actually do a lot of drugs there. I would go out afterwards because it closed early. But I kept bartending for a little while after that. 
and went back to school. It was just one of those crazy, like, I just, I was done. I did not want that lifestyle anymore. So, um, I went back to school. Um, well, I, I finished my associates finally, and then I had gotten really into running and gotten super competitive. Um, when I said my mom was a runner, she was a phenomenal runner. She got the first woman's track scholarship in the state of Mississippi. Wow. Yeah, to Mississippi College. She was the entire woman's track team. <laughs> That's good. Um, so I, ha- I had a little bit of a genetic predisposition, sure, sure. and um, it just kind of gave me something to – to work on, you know, something to, when we look at people in recovery or in prison and they give them a, uh, a health goal or a, a dog to train, we see higher rates of success, long-term success. And so this is just what, what the Lord gave me. And I ended up, um, getting a little scholarship to go run for Bellhaven University here in Jackson. Wow. So back to Bellhaven, and it was crazy. <laughs> I did not live in Bellhaven anymore. I was not going back to that. But um, it was wild driving to school down the same road that I used to go and do cocaine every night after shift. Um, and then, I'm, you know, we were the cross-country team. We ran all over those streets. Right, so, like, right. I, I went from running the streets to literally running the streets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it was awesome. And Bellhaven changed my life. The The faculty and staff there, special people. And the kids there, I was shocked. You know, I've been in this area my whole life, and I'd never met people like that before. Right. Um, so, I got a, a bachelor's degree in sports medicine and um, got accepted Ole Miss of all places. I grew up a state fan and ended up at Ole Miss for my master's. Um, and I was going there for exercise science. I wanted to do strength and conditioning for college athletes. There's a, a huge need for that for women's uh, athletics. And I thought that would be a lot of fun. But when I got to Ole Miss, um, I learned about their health promotion master's program, which is essentially public health. And I fell in love with everything about that program. So I switched. I actually switched majors at Bellhaven, too. So I was originally a sports administration. I just thought, well, I got a scholarship. I'll go to school. Maybe I can be a cross-country coach. You know, I'll get a sports administration major. Maybe I can be. And then... I was doing some personal training at the time, and I thought, I really don't know anything about the, the human body. And so I switched majors to sports medicine. And I remember the dean of that program, he said, you sure you want to do this? Because most people can't handle it, and they have to drop down to sports administration. And I said, uh, I think I think I do. Um, and it was hard. I cried every day. I'm not an academic. But I got through it, and then – had an incredible time at Old Miss. Uh, it was interesting going to Oxford as the old lady on campus. Okay, so let me set the stage. You know, in recovery, going back to school, no money, right? My, thankfully, I have um, a family that was able to help me. I worked hard still. Um, and, you know, the government will give you money for school. I'll be paying them back for a long time. For a long time. Um, but that's okay. Uh, the, the experience... You know, it got me where I needed to be. But um, so anyway, I was driving my grandmother's Buick. (laughs) So I'm rolling up to campus as a 30 something year old in my grandmother's Buick. I'm like, well, let's just do it all the way. You know, there is no (laughs) shame in that. 
Um, but it was fun. They they had Ole Miss had really started investing in something called the CRC, which is the Collegiate Recovery Community. And my graduate assistantship was actually with their Rebel Aid Program. That's AD Alcohol and Drug Education Program. So that job uh, was everything from going to talk to fraternities and sororities about how to party smarter, you know, like don't drink out of the big cooler of whoop juice because there's probably drugs in it, you know. Um, And they, they didn't teach uh abstinence it was harm reduction so you know how can we black out less and you know I would have one-on-ones with students who had either gotten in trouble on campus or in the city of Oxford and we would just kind of problem solve and the stories that I heard were insane if I had gone to college at normal college age I don't know if I'd have come back alive um the amount of drugs that are flown in to that little Oxford airport Oh, my gosh. It was like a movie. I mean, my like, I had done a lot of crazy stuff here in, in Jackson. Um, but when you're crazy and you have money, oh, it took it to a whole new level. So um, that was interesting. That was eye-opening for me. But um, anyway, I, I mentioned the CRC. So the collegiate recovery community was cool. It was kind of like a college-based AA kind of, mm-hmm. uh, but it gave support. Um, can you imagine being a traditional age college kid and maybe realizing your junior year that you have a problem going away and then coming back sober? Like yeah. No. no, Right. So uh, this provided a community for them. They would do sober tailgating. They still do this, by the way. Um, State was the first uh, school in Mississippi to really – make a big deal out of this and there's a guy Blake that runs there or he was there um their CRC he was phenomenal tall Um, tall skinny guy yeah 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 yeah. he's awesome yeah Yeah, he's awesome um and so we learned a lot from Mississippi State's program but sober tailgating you know in the grove um and now there is an entire building where they provide housing sober students oh that's incredible that's i've a, had a friend that lived there that's yeah. a huge part of the puzzle right there I, I agree huge i agree and one of the things so I'll, i will get to what i do but i'm a, i'm a holistic health freak and one of the cool things about holistic health now is that drinking is not so cool anymore right. like it's people are, are really starting to realize how damaging it is um, to the brain, and I mean, it seems kind of obvious, but it's such a societal norm that we have just oh, it's fine because it's legal, right? Yeah, yeah. It's poison. Poison. It, it it is. It's literal poison. Um, so I'm excited that it's becoming trendier not to drink, and I'm wondering if this will transfer to the college scene at all. Uh, who knows? You know. I think I think it might. I mean, y- there is definitely. I mean, there's what, what show was that last night? I think it was some show, some news program. I don't remember what it was, but they were talking about they were listing all the rappers that have gotten sober. They were listing all these artists that have gotten sober, and they were. I mean, this was a well respected program. Obviously, not respected enough for me to remember <laughs> the name of it, but uh, I digress. It was. Um, they were just talking about how like just listing just tons and tons of people that have gotten sober and they were just shining a very bright light, a very bright, positive light on this. So, I mean, what 
I, I think, I mean, it is, you were right. It's, it's a societal norm. I mean, it's, you, you go to a football game and you get a beer, you know, you go to, you just drink. People just drink. That's mm-hmm. just what they do. Well, humans have been consuming alcohol for a long, mm-hmm. long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I have no issue with anyone that drinks, you know. I mean, as long as they're not ridiculous and I don't have to put up with it. Right. I will set a, a hard boundary real quick because I just don't have time for that. It's toxic. But I, I, I have people in my life that are – they can sit down with dinner and have one beer and that'd be right. that for the night. I remember when I was bartending when I was sober and somebody would come in and they'd eat their meal and they'd have one glass of wine and I was like steadily pushing, well, are you sure you don't want another one? Right, like right. it just seems so weird to me yeah. because if one is great, the yeah, second one is going to be the better. The thing that right? blows me away is when you go in a restaurant and somebody, a normal person, will drink a glass of wine and leave a little bit in yes. the bottom of the cup. Yes. Like, that's so foreign. You like, how could you? For, oh, right. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, I still have dreams. I've, let's see, it's t- I'm, what, 12 years in now. I still have dreams about drinking and taking Adderall. Sure. And in my dreams, I'm like, wait, I don't do this anymore. I'm like, yeah, I do. People just don't know. Right. So it makes me wonder, like, what's going on in my life that I feel like I need to cover up right now? I don't right, know, you right, know. Yeah. I, was, I don't know if you can actually analyze dreams, but they're fun to try. Yeah, And absolutely. I take a lot of magnesium, so I dream a lot now. So. Do you ever, in your dreams, do you ever cross the threshold? Do you actually use the drugs, or is it, mm-hmm. you do? Yeah, me uh, too. I, I have a couple times, and it, I yeah. wake up, and it's just like, Ugh. Most of the time, I'm, like, trying to get to it. Like, yeah. you get to the bar, and, like, every bottle they pick up is empty. Or, you know, there's, like, it ne- right, you right, never right. get that. I just want a glass of wine. But, um, I, yeah, there are some where I have. Yeah. And But, I mean, I'm so far out. When I wake up, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That was weird. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is a holistic uh Food, holistic health, health food what did you holistic health um I, well so yeah what exactly is that i like to distinguish the difference because our current quote unquote health care system in mississippi or you mean just like in general western medicine in okay. general promotes anything but health right um th- i'm gl- i'm grateful that we have medicine for you know acute cases where we need it to save our life, whether it's a surgical intervention, the, the emergency antibiotics. room if you break your arm, antibiotics if, like, you get bit by a spider and need that. You know what I mean? But it's ha- these Z-packs that are handed out, if, I, if y'all can tell I'm a little bit nasally, I've been um, overcoming um, a little bit of a sinus something. I actually spiked a high fever, la- or not a high fever, low-grade fever last week. Um, I'm good. I'm in the I'm in the green zone now, so I wouldn't bring this to y'all if I wouldn't. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's crazy because our first go-to is, oh, we need to take a Tylenol to stop this fever. Uh-uh. The fever is your body, it, it's heating up to get the virus out of your body. And if you stop that process over and over again, you're stopping your body's ability to fight off infection. And so I was really proud of myself because this time I, like, just let it run its course. And it was only about a 16-hour process. You know, it never got above, like, 102. Um, I monitored it closely. Um, But 
I got, when I did get COVID a couple years ago, it got to a point where the headache was so bad, I did finally take something to break it. But it's just understanding that a lot of these things that happen in our body now, because what we're fighting now is chronic disease that are stemming from lifestyle factors. Um, We have a very toxic environment. Our food is very toxic. Our products are very toxic. Our artificial light, no natural sunlight is very toxic to our bodies. You know, we... We were created to be outside. (laughs) Um, If you think about what's good for my health, think about what your primal ancestors did living in caves, okay? Because while the world around us has very much modernized, our biology still very much runs as if we are cavemen and women. And so, when we want to restore health because we are on a constant journey now of restoration because our environment set kind of breaks it down, um, then we, we need to go back to that primitive uh, lifestyle. So are you familiar with the liver king? Yes. <laughs> and his ancestral tenants? Yes. Is that this? No. Okay. Uh, um, well, the, the liver king took one thing and ran with it. He ran with it hard, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, and... Um, but he did well. I take that back. He took one concept and ran with it as a social platform. But apparently, he was taking a lot of things. <laughs> so yeah, sure. he had a little help. Yeah, my goal is what can we do in our lifestyle first? There is a time and a place for medicine, but most people are being done an incredible disservice by giving medicine. Um, for things that could be changed with your lifestyle. And the medicines are that you take one medicine and then what it does, what, it, what it's interrupting in your body, then you need to take another medicine to fix right. that. And then another. And you see people's quality of life just completely deteriorate. And I don't want to promote anything that may have us living on this earth longer, but feeling like we're dying. You know, we don't live longer. We die longer these days as a society. We feel like crap. It is a book of lies that we've been sold that once you hit about 45, you're just supposed to be exhausted. You're supposed to feel like crap. You're not supposed to be able to keep up physically. Um, No, I'm sorry, but there there was one family that bought out the uh, academic industry, married it with the medical industry and the food companies, and it all boils down to financial gains Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the more we realize that most of these establishments are not out for our good they may not be particularly out for our harm but they are definitely not looking out for our good and that we have to be our own advocates and figure these things out um, and kind of go against the grain the healthier and happier we're going to be absolutely there's I mean the reality is um, there is not a lot of incentive to um, especially like pharmaceutical companies to push holistic approaches. There is much more money in saying, hey, you know, we'll acknowledge that changing your lifestyle will improve your life. Mm-hmm. But really, if you really want to do the same thing with much less work, mm-hmm. just take this pill that we have. And if this pill doesn't work for you, we've got another pill that will help you feel better from taking that pill. And it's just, it's there, there's no money in, in being, I don't think you can get a patent on ginkgo biloba or anything. Right, right. No, no. I mean, th- the point is, um, corporations are incentivized to um, make money when things are going wrong. It's just the way that capitalism works. 
That's yeah. just the way it works. Yeah. So there's nobody's gonna. There's no money in saying, "Hey, just go exercise, just go run a little bit, and you'll be fine." Mm-hmm. And it will. You will be in a much better position. Uh, if you do that on a consistent basis, then you will if you go and take all these medications. Now, again, like you said, medications have their place. They are very important, and they have a role, absolutely. But Z-Packs are pushed like candy these yeah. days, you know, and, and we don't know what that's doing. It, well, I do know that it's it's wrecking your your gut well, microbiome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, and that's long, a whole different term, topic. Yeah. But, yeah, so there's a couple of things to your point, and you're exactly right. Um now most practitioners do not have faith that when given information about a uh, preventative lifestyle or a more holistic approach that their patients will take it. Um, in fact, there was a, a doctor, there was a, a nursing student who, who has just gotten on his own holistic health journey. He was type 1 diabetic and changed his whole life. And he asked a doctor, um, what, why don't you recommend these types of things to your patients. And he said, oh, because we just don't think they'll do it. This is just a much faster, you know. Um, and and now you have a bunch of very smart people in the medical field who have all been trained on the wrong concepts. And there are a lot of Western medicine practitioners that do not believe that you can attain health without medicine. And they will yell, scream, and shame you if you don't do it their way, because they honestly think that that is the best way. Um, because this is what they're taught. They are taught medicine. They don't even take a full semester of nutrition. They have no idea how nutrition affects the endocrine system. And one of the um, greatest breakdowns we're seeing in, in overall health is hormonal health. I mean, hormones are just chemical messengers that tell one part of the body what to do at the next. And we've got an explosion of disruption here and a medical establishment that does not understand what's going on. You know, you go in and you see a specialist in one area. That's really all that they know. And it's very segmented, and the body is not. The body works together. Right. It's this. It's a. It's a machine that all works together. It's a system. Mm-hmm. So let's say somebody comes to see you, and they're like, "Look, Allison, I, I want to be healthier. What are some good places where they could start that mm. would that would be in keeping with the holistic? I mean, is this like eat fruits and vegetables and smell lavender oil on occasion? <laughs> or? Um, so the things that I work one-on-one with clients with our sleep have to sleep have to get your sleep on track um and there's a i can go into that in detail in a minute if you want um stress management well, how do you manage stress it's a little bit more than sniffing lavender <laughs> but you get know a diffuser yeah we yeah um i don't sell essential oils um but they are a good resource if 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 you want um but managing stress so what does that look like that looks like Taking a few minutes out of your day to calm your breath. When when you're stressed out, if you are running from a lion, tiger, or bear, what is your breath doing? Your respiratory rate's jacked. It's increased, right? Because you're running for your life. Well, that's what stress does to the body. Remember, we're going back to our primitive ancestors. When they were stressed out, that was because a neighboring tribe was trying to kill them. 
or a lion, <laughs> tiger, or bear was coming for them and their family. Right. So that's how our body registers stress. Well, now we have stress coming at us all the time. It's just a very stressful world. So our body is stuck in this fight or flight mode, which will start cutting off access to other physiological processes that we need. So if you're stuck in fight or flight all the time. Yeah, all the blood goes to your extremities. And mm-hmm. and, it, and it, you're pumping out cortisol, cortisol all the time. Cortisol is our stress hormone. Well, your body only makes – your cortisol is important. You need cortisol every day to be awake and alert, but only a certain amount. When you've got excess cortisol being created every single day to combat the stress that you're under, it's going to do that at the expense of other really important hormones like oxytocin. Your circulatory system. Mm-hmm. Or testosterone. So, you know, low testosterone is, is a real issue for men and women these days. When we don't have adequate amounts of testosterone, we stop being good humans. A lot of people think of testosterone as high sex drive. Well, testosterone is also um, important for helping the old lady across the street, you know, doing good things, making this world a better place. When empathy? You, empathy, yes. When you lose your drive... <laughs> To make this world a better place, you could very well be suffering from low testosterone. What's causing your testosterone to drop? The food we eat, the stress we're not managing. Because, again, if you're under a lot of stress, then your body has to prioritize making cortisol over making testosterone or other. You know, that's not the only one. There's a lot of of hormones that kind of get the the nicks while you're in distress. And now we're chronically stressed. So... Instantly, we should lower our stress. We should sleep better. Mm-hmm. Prioritize sleep. What are the What are the big three? People can tr- people can take three bites of something. Yeah. Reduce your stress. Okay. Work and, on sleeping better. And what else? And and I'll give some some tips on how to do that too. But uh, sunlight. Get sunlight. It's so the liver, important. The liver king was about that sunlight. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to change the channel for you. <laughs> G, G loves him some liver. Look, he, he cracked me he up, He was man. intense. I he only was. saw like one or two of his videos, and I was like, this guy. Um, $12,000 a month. and $12,000 a month. That's what he spent on uh, yeah, growth hormone and whatever else he yeah. was taking. Yeah. So sunlight is very important. Again, remember that. Uh, we were created to uh, respond to our environment, okay? And so um, morning sun, if you want to get good sleep, good sleep starts first thing in the morning. So you need to get outside and get morning sunlight, 10 to 15 minutes of morning sun. Um, The sun sends messages through our eyeballs to our brain um, to release certain hormones like adrenaline and cortisol to, to wake us up, have us alert for the day, manage our daytime activities. But it also sets clocks for other hormones to release later in the yeah. day. Yep, this is circadian rhythm. Uh, if you like to, to study things, um, X out of Liver King and <laughs> <laughs> open up um, circadian rhythm tabs. Uh, so cool, and it's so important. I work with women who have jacked up hormones and and our monthly hormonal cycle can get thrown off because our daily circadian rhythm cycle has gotten thrown off it's just one of the factors but um so get that morning sunlight 10 to 15 minutes if you do this on a regular basis you're going to notice much better energy throughout the day better sleep at night and then when you have an opportunity get back outside you know after lunch 
take a 10-minute walk, go outside and get some sunlight. If you're feeling fatigued in the afternoon, first of all, it's probably because of what you ate for lunch, but we can that's another discussion. Mm-hmm. But also just get outside, get some sunlight, um, some fresh air. Th- those are three big ones. Of course, nutrition, but that's so nuanced. You know, um, if you want to keep it simple, try to keep 80 to 90% of your foods coming from a whole food sourced uh, base. So what does that mean? That means meat, vegetables, fruit, uh, extra virgin olive oil, nuts, things like that. Um, and then, you know, 10 to 20% of it can be more processed. I still do some processed things, but um, the majority of our food needs to be a whole food source um, because our bodies cannot recognize all of these processed foods. Sure, absolutely. It's insane. With, I mean, Okay, and then exercise. Let's jump on to exercise. I know you've been exercising a lot. You post a lot of photos at the gym, and mm-hmm. I applaud you for that. Um, I, Drew and I have also been doing that. You'd uh, be proud of us. Yeah. We're at the gym every morning at, at gym, 5 a.m. Meal oh. prepping. Nice. Yeah, doing meal prep. Um, yeah. And um, I'll be perfectly honest. There are the vast – well, I won't say the vast there's, – there's a lot of time – a lot of times when um, I just don't want to get up at 4.30 a.m. Nope. I mm-hmm. I would, the, the idea of sleeping in past 4.30 is unbelievable, but I haven't missed a day yet. And I know people say, well, you got to rest some days. Okay, I understand that. I do rest at least twice a week, but what do I do? My mind and my, everything that I was, I've never been disciplined ever. Uh, so, what, what I do is, no matter what, and I haven't missed a day in almost three months, I guess it's been three months now, um, I get up at 4.30, and I go to the gym. I may just work out on, or just walk for a few minutes on the treadmill, but I'm checking that box mm-hmm. that I did that. I was disciplined, and I did that because I have everything that I have lacked, I've never had discipline in anything that I've done, really, um, especially when I was drinking and using. So it's just, it's that, that, being disciplined and just showing up. They say 80% is just showing up. Yeah. So what do you tell people that get discouraged? Say, I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to exercise. It's so much easier for me to just take this pill and I get the same results. What do you, how do you talk with that person with compassion and love? How do you talk to that person to let them know that, Hey, the benefits of physical exercise, being outside, being in the sun, this vitamin D, the benefits far away, anything that you could get if you were to go over here with medicine. So what do you tell to that person that's, I won't say lazy, but lazy and and is just not at a point where they're willing to do anything different at this point, but they hate the way they feel. What do you tell that person? So my job has become so easy. Honestly, I don't have to convince anybody anymore because they've been on the medicine train for so long and they they feel terrible. Mm -hmm. They're not getting any progress. They're getting worse. Um, They've been passed around from doctor to doctor to doctor to doctor, back to the same doctor. You know, no answers, no progress is being made on their situation. Now they have more meds, and they're just like, can I please get off this hamster wheel? Um, Because my kids deserve a better mom. I, um, you know, just an array of problems. Um, What what are the women, is it mostly women that you... Yeah, I primarily work with women now. I've worked with both men and women in the past. What, what are the what are the pharmaceutical bugaboos that they're coming to you on? Yeah. Like they have fibromyalgia or okay, so chronic fatigue. The 
I when I got out of school, I, I I've learned a lot more since school. School gave me the confidence confidence I needed to do what I'm doing but as far as what I'm doing I've learned outside of school Um, uh, so I fell in love with holistic health and worked for a company for a while helped people um, change their lives there and then uh, went into business for myself and we see so many women now struggling with PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. It's a very common diagnosis now for a woman who is struggling with everything from irregular cycles to weight gain to fatigue to it's kind of a catch-all term now. Um, Or endometriosis or infertility, you know, um, chronic fatigue. Um, So they come to me and they have been exhausted for 10 years and they feel terrible. They don't know what to do. They've tried every drug. The most common drug, well, there are two. So if you have a daughter or a wife, uh, listen up, um, or you are that daughter or wife, uh, if you have an irregular cycle or you have acne on your face or trouble with your weight, the first thing they want to do is put you on birth control. And that is the worst thing that you can do because it's not fixing the problem. And they'll tell you this will fix your cycle. All it does is stop it. It stops the whole cycle altogether. That's a big interruption in a woman's health. Um, Our ability to ovulate is our fifth vital sign. It is very, very important during your reproductive years that your body is going through that process every single month or things will start to really get jacked up. So birth control. 10 out of 10, don't recommend as far as using it to treat uh, health issues. Um, And then the other is metformin. Metformin is the most, uh, I think it's the number one prescribed drug for women in America. It was never tested on women during clinical trials. We aren't um, used as participants in a lot of clinical studies because our hormonal cycle makes us, um, we, it, it, we vary too much, so you can't get good sound statistical data from a, from a lot of women. Um, but therein lies a huge problem. We're treating everybody as if they're the same, and they're not. You know, men are on a 24-hour hormonal cycle. Y'all go to sleep. If you're sleeping, <laughs> y'all go to sleep. You wake up, you've got this brand-new testosterone ready to take on the world every day. You're very much the same. Um, women... We're on a 28 to 32 day hormonal cycle, okay? 24 hours for men, 28 to 32 days for women. We're created very different. That is not a bad thing, but it means that we probably can't take the same treatment protocols that men can. Right. And we've been given the same treatment protocols that men have, and we've seen cancer rates increase exponentially we've seen infertility rates increase exponentially you know our, our we're all getting worse not better <laughs> so like we got to start paying attention to this right. kind of thing um so for the person who back to your question you asked a while ago that that would just rather take the pill i get it and that's actually laziness and procrastination are actually survival mechanisms in the body um, anything that feels challenging or hard if we give our, our bodies and our brains enough time to assess that situation and feel that, then it will say, hey, no, we, that doesn't sound like a good idea. We don't need to do that because it could put us in danger. And so it, it will 
try to help us reprioritize and do something else. So um, laziness is actually a survival mechanism that we just have to overcome. Um, But, you know, I'm not here to convince anybody that my way is better than their way. If that's the way that they want to ascribe to, A, and this, I don't mean for this to sound cocky, but they'll be back. I, I mean, you know, it just doesn't work. It's not, they're not going to, 9.9 times out of 10, they will not achieve true health um, through a, a quick fix, taking a pill. Right. They'll be back. Uh, and I'll be here for them when they are. And, or, or somebody that they choose, hopefully, you know. But, um, so I, I don't have to combat that much anymore, though, because the women that come to me, and I work with women all over the country, they are just, th- this is their last bit of hope. And it's such a gift to be able to give them this, you know. That's incredible. I had no idea that, I mean, you were dealing with folks all the I mean, I knew that, uh, actually, I, I know very little about what you're doing. But from what, I mean, I'm just, quite honestly, I'll be perfectly honest with you here. Um, I'm, I'm blown away, not only by your, uh, your knowledge of the topic, um, but your, your willingness and desire to help. Just that, that service heart. Um, I mean, that's... I've I've been there, yeah. Um, and I and yeah, I appreciate clear. you that's saying clear. that because I have to really, I have to keep myself in check because sometimes you know I can get in, in my past in my career I've been very dogmatic about this is the mm-hmm. way and like you know I, I I want to I want to always come from a pure place and so um, God humbles me often you sure, know sure, sure. Um, but you're not the only one yeah, yeah we're, we're right there um, with you. humility is is the hardest but greatest gift you know that we can be sure. be given um, but I was in my mid twenties um, eighty pounds heavier you know, struggling with the effects of PCOS and had no idea what to do. And so this comes from a place of, I don't, I haven't always been this way. And in fact, if there's a wrong way to do it, I have done that. Sure. (laughs) For sure. Like I was the queen of the quick fixes. And it's even still, you know, when I started my health journey and I was in distance running into distance running, well, y'all, I'm a, I've got addiction in my, in my, bones so that became um, a tool for me to have an unhealthy relationship with food I mean exercise bulimia yeah Yeah. Um, uh, and you know it it's crazy because when you get sober and your entire life change changes but you also lose a bunch of weight and look the best you've ever looked and you get complimented on that like how do you not tie your identity into managing your weight and let that be about what you're all about. I mean, you know, I've been through so many identity crises as a sober person. (laughs) Um, It's been such a learning journey, but I am for the first time in my life, so happy just to pursue hormonal and metabolic health and, and longevity rather than constantly what the scale says or, or, you know, yeah, I still care what I look like, but it doesn't dominate every thought and every action anymore. I'm eating this food because I know that this is what my body needs and I don't live a super restrictive nutrition lifestyle anymore um, I've been there you know I've made an idol out of that and that was right. terrible it's no fun to live like that but um, I'm also not one of those people that is going to tell you if you come to me with type 2 diabetes that yeah you can have pizza just eat it in moderation absolutely not you need to spend six months of really cleaning your body out so you can get your your a1c back down and you can live a long healthy life and then we can teach you how to eat 
some things in moderation, but right. we have to remember that food, these processed foods are addictive. And one of my heart uh, passions for life is to educate the recovery community that we are often turning straight from dopamine from drugs to dopamine and food. Sure. And a lot of our recovery centers around here, they're all, you know, funded by people giving money out of the goodness of their heart. They don't have a lot of money to to feed them, you know. Salad. Yeah, super nutritious food. Um, yet, although I would love to see the implementation of putting gardens in there, teaching people how to garden, how to prepare, that, that can be done. And, and that's something that I'm going to be working on in the future. But, um, you know, first of all, if you are an addict and somebody ever uses that against you, you you can be almost 99.9% sure that you're looking back at an addict because that person is probably addicted to food or their phone or both. You know, we are all a bunch of dopamine addicts. That is what our culture it markets now. How can we get people addicted to my site so they're here every day looking at my ads? You know, social media is a form of addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and negativity often will get you there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so, you know, we, I could go on and on. There's so many different aspects of this to talk about. But Look, <clears throat> I think you would enjoy it. Uh, I have touted this guy's speeches a thousand times on the podcast. His name is Jerome Lanier. Mm-hmm. Once you get over that he's an odd-looking and sounding fella, because <laughs> well, he is, it's the most interesting lecture I've ever heard in my whole life. Yeah. Uh, I'll send you a link. Okay. <clears throat> Jerome Lanier. Jerome Lanier. Jerome. Okay. Yeah. Send me a link. It's worth it. Okay. All right, look, we're, we are nearing the end of the hour, but I would like to hear your top tips for improved sleeping. Yes. All right. Number one, morning sunlight. Right. Morning we sunlight. already we already talked about that. If it's a sunny day, ten to fifteen minutes. Just get outside, get your eyes exposed to the sunlight. You can wear reading glasses, but not sunglasses. That's important. Um, number two, cut food off about three hours before bed. So um, if you wear any sort of device that measures your sleep and you eat close to bedtime, you'll notice that you're not getting much deep or REM sleep. Um, when your body is going through all these sugar highs and lows from food, it's busy breaking um, your food down, then it's going to take away from that restorative sleep. Um, what? Why is sleep so important? So when we sleep, our brain is cleansing itself. Okay, so think of sleep as the dishwasher for the brain. So we've got our lymphatic system in our body that flushes our body out, and in our brain it's called the glymphatic system. So um, when we're in these deep sleep cycles, you're really rinsing out all that metabolic waste that has accrued from the day of thinking all those thousands and thousands of thoughts. we got to get that stuff out. we got to flush that out. Otherwise, it could potentially start building up this dangerous plaque that leads to Alzheimer's and dementia, right. right? Which is a huge problem nowadays because people aren't sleeping and then there's a, a sugar thing that attributes to that too. So, um, all right, so sunlight, cutting off food, and then this is this one is what people are not going to like, but getting off your devices um, an hour or two before bed. And I'll tell you, that's something I struggle with. You know, I've been 
alone for a long time and TV was my companion for a long time. And um, so I do have some blue light blocking glasses, but I'm really trying to make a conscious effort because at my age, you know, sleep is something that can start to get wonky if I'm not super intentional about it. So why, why do screens keep us awake? Or if we do go to sleep, they're prohibiting us from getting into those deep sleep cycles. Well, these lights, all these lights from our screen are, are giving our eyeballs and our brain that same message that that sunlight that we get first thing in the morning gives it. So what's that going to do? It's going to stop the melatonin release, and it's going to start giving you hits of cortisol and adrenaline. And we don't need that when yeah, we're going night-night. Hey, I tell you. That is a huge thing for me. Does Hard. the television do it too? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So um, that now there are some, I don't know if you guys follow Dave Asbury. He's interesting. He is going to try to live to be like 160. So he's like the biohacking king. But he um, has worked with some people, and they have come out with some really intense blue light blocking glasses. They don't just block the blue lights, though. They block the other lights, too, that can interrupt our sleep. So that might be something that you look at investing in. Another thing that will help is cut off all of your overhead lights when the sun sets and just turn on your lamps, Mm -hmm. low-wattage lamps, because it's – it's not only the sunlight, but it's where the sun is that gives off different messages to our. So with that morning sunlight, because it is high above our heads, that's telling our brains what to do. Right. So when it's eye level or lower, that gives our brain the signal that it is closer to nighttime. So permission to start winding down. Mm-hmm, exactly. And and now, I mean, if you wake up in the middle of the night, don't grab your phone. <laughs> I don't even sleep with my phone in my room. I don't have kids, so I know that that's not an option for everybody else. But um, that's like a go-to. People, I, I love waking up and seeing somebody that's like uh, on Facebook, oh, I have insomnia. Well, you're on your phone at 2 a.m. Right. You know, <laughs> your brain is being told to be awake. Right. So um, if I have to wake up to pee, I'm like Helen Keller feeling my way to the bathroom. Like I'm not cutting on any lights today, you know, because of what it will tell our brain. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, top three what about uh, real quick uh, i'm so horrible about this but i've i've find i i've found that it's very difficult for me to get to sleep sometimes um and what i've found uh, is if i will just eat some just ridiculously trashy food right before i go to bed i have a tendency to go to sleep quicker Mm -hmm. and i know that's like the worst and i also look at my phone while i'm doing that so it's like the double whammy it's like literally the worst possible thing i could be doing so i guess i'm just saying that to be transparent that i i i I have lots of lots of things to work on oh me too and and the, the screen thing, that's always going to be something that I have to work on, and I'm definitely not perfect at. Right. I can sit here and tell you what to do all day long. Uh, the food thing, I have been measuring my sleep, and, um, you know, I get in these little habits. They, I mean, they turn chronic so quickly. I was doing something that kept me out late, and I do not like being out late. Um, and so I would eat this certain, like, high-fat bar when I would get home just because I was hungry and I needed something. And 
um, and it would be close to bedtime. Well, then I started doing that every single night, but then it wasn't one, it was two. Right. And this is in the, like, recent past. And so, and I started noticing that my REM sleep was crap. Like, I was hardly getting any of it. And uh, I listened to a podcast, and they started talking about, you know, they were just really breaking down food and sleep. And I was like, oh, crap, that's what it is. Um cut those out and now I'm getting great sleep again now what you're experiencing if you're eating like something you know you said like trash food so you pass out goldfish yeah so your blood sugar goes sky high then you have this major insulin response where it comes and wipes it all out and makes you sleepy I mean think about if you eat a lunch that's like super high in sugar or carbohydrates and you're gonna feel real good for about you know, 10, 15 minutes, and then you're going to crash. Right. You know, people talk about early afternoon crash. It's, it has everything to do with what they ate for lunch, most likely. Sure. So that's what's happening. Yeah, you can get knocked out, but are you waking back up, or are you getting good quality sleep? I, I'm up four times a night. Yep. PM, so yep. Because I mean <laughs> your blood sugar, when your blood sugar is real unstable like that, your body's like, whoa, what's going on? What's going on? So you're probably getting little hits of, like, cortisol or adrenaline. I wonder if that will help my urinary issues at night because i'm literally up four times a night and I've, yeah. like, I've been to the doctor because of this and he's like no everything's fine yeah so it, it maybe what you're saying is it could be the food then huh yeah i would i would try to cut food and liquids off um you know liquids probably two hours before i, I have to be conscious of that too um you could try you know yeah, absolutely well okay real quick before we end um first of all thank you again for coming is incredible tell us about your radio show tell us about um your business and tell us how we can get in contact with you so the radio show i just kind of fell into that it was such a such a blessing um so i join clay edwards over Mm -hmm. 103.9 wyab every monday at 9 a.m for the whole story health hour so we'll either have guests like tomorrow we have a functional nurse practitioner who's a um she and i work closely together with her patients and my clients and she's amazing um but we'll have guests or we'll just talk about like we just did you know just talk about there's so much you could talk about um and that's been a lot of fun and uh then I do I also have a podcast called the landing spot podcast and that is for women primarily for women we talk all about women's health hormones um I've had a lot of great guests on there and then, yeah, so my company is called Whole Story Health. So, uh, you know, there's just a lot. There, there's a whole story to what you have going on. And, sure. and likely the thousands and thousands of dollars you spent at the doctor, you've only got a little bitty piece of it. And so I just want to help you slowly uncover the whole story so we can get to the root of it and heal you. Um, so I primarily work with women. A lot of the women that come to me are either struggling with infertility, chronic fatigue, or uh, something that I'm really specializing in right now is that perimenopause age that nobody prepares women for where everything changes quite drastically. Um, the highest, what age is that? Um, in in our forties, forties. So, and it can last three years. It can last 10 years. It's very individualized. Um, but the age group of women that has the highest suicide rate is in that forties era because we go from, you know, having, uh, high estrogen and progesterone and, you know, these things that kind of stable us or 
kind of help us stabilize, um, all of a sudden they start dropping and, and things change dramatically and we don't know what to do and everything that used to work doesn't work and there's, a, you know, a lot of anxiety and depression and sleeplessness that can occur, does not have to if we know how to navigate these changes, right, but that can occur and it, it freaks women out. They have no idea it's coming, hits them like a ton of bricks and their doctors are like, oh, your labs come back fine, you're fine, just, you know, uh, maybe exercise a little bit more, which is not the case. Um, anyway, so, um, but yeah, just helping women navigate the different eras of our life, you know, because sure. hormonally we are very different in our 20s than we are in our 30s and 40s and then you know, post-menopause. So um, I am starting to open up because I've been doing the radio show and I've had some men reach out. Men's hormones, that's that's important too. Um, so I, I am starting to take on a few male clients. So, you know, just really kind of open to whatever doors God opens for me at this point. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so um, do you want to give a phone number? Is there like a, how can, how can they get in touch with yes. you? Our website or whatever? Um, Instagram is at Allison Health Coach Noe, which is kind of difficult. My last name is N-O-O-E. Um, so uh, I put out a lot of content there. You can reach out to me on Facebook. It's Allison Lee Noe or Whole Story Health. Um, the number, if you want to shoot me a text and set up a consultation, is 601-540-2476. Just give me your name, little little info about you and uh, that you're interested in a, in a consultation. I'd be happy to set one up for you. Awesome. And here, awesome. us us here at the Recovery Lab podcast, um, we, uh, we, we want to make it as easy as possible for our listeners and viewers to get in touch with you. So with your permission, of course, I'll add you to the recovery resources on recoverylabllc.com. That'd if that would be, be awesome. okay. Yeah, if absolutely. If you would forward me everything that you want listed on sure. there as far as website, Instagram, everything, and I'll, I'll get that uploaded for you. So, cool. all right. Well, Ladies and gentlemen, viewers, thank you so much for, uh, for joining Allison, us. thank you so much. And oh, this is so much, so much fun. Awesome. Thank you so much. Guys, we'll see you next week. Bye.